A very good morning to you. I'm Howard Feldman. This is the Sunday Synthesis Podcast with me, Howard Feldman, and pulmonologist and physician, Dr. Anton Marburg. It is the 11th of April, and we're getting an update as to what is going on in South Africa and indeed around the world with regard to COVID-19. Dr. Anton Marburg, good morning. How are you? Nice to see that you're at home this morning. Morning. Yeah, it's a bit of the calm before the storm. I mean, I hope not, but I think uh, just take a bit of time to breathe before we get back into it. Uh, there are currently 136,053,900 cases worldwide, with 2.9 million deaths and 109 million cases resolved. The United States is 31.8 million cases with 575,000 deaths. And of note, Brazil has its numbers are screaming up with 13.4 million cases and 351,000 deaths. South Africa has 1,557,527 cases with 53,256 deaths and 1,285 new cases in the last 24 hours and 288,406 people having been vaccinated up to date. Uh, currently in Gauteng, there are 1,324 people in hospital with COVID-19, of which 299 are in ICU and 135 are ventilated. The admissions are down by about 100. The ICU cases are down by 27 and the ventilated cases are down by 11. All right. You've been on call a few times this week, both Monday and Thursday. Did you see, did you have a different experience this week in terms of COVID-19 cases? Definitely. The numbers are definitely starting to increase. Speaking to my GP colleagues as well, they are seeing a lot more cases in their rooms, whereas last week they may have seen one every alternate day. They're seeing now at least five to 10 cases per day of multiple families, of other people. So it's definitely increasing in the community at the moment, and the numbers are starting to go up. Right, yeah, and one of the GPs that I spoke to said uh, that he had had nine new cases just on Thursday. So we're certainly starting to see that. Are there other signs that you are seeing besides these anecdotal numbers that we might be starting to head towards, we might be heading towards the third surge? Well, we definitely believe we are heading towards the third wave. The numbers are definitely starting to go up. The numbers in the hospital are starting to increase we're seeing sicker people once again. It's too early to tell what the pattern is going to be like or where we're going with this. But I think the next week or two weeks will give us conclusive answers of which direction we are going. Mm-hmm. How are we doing in terms of vaccine rollout? I believe there were a massive number of 38 people vaccinated in the last 24 hours. Look, I think that uh, we, we realize and we, we know where we're standing with the vaccines at the moment. There were only a certain amount of vaccines brought in under the Sasanke Johnson & Johnson trial. The rest of the vaccinations haven't been brought in. We were expecting another 200,000 this weekend. I haven't heard if they've actually been delivered yet. There's been nothing on the news. No, but they're I hoping to finish all the healthcare workers by the end of April and then to start with the second phase rollout by mid-May. So we're hoping that the millions of vaccines that have been procured will be delivered and we can get the ball rolling. Do the doctors have an understanding as to how the rollout is going to work? I think the, the understanding is the same as what the, the general public have, have got the same understanding, is that there are going to be vaccination centres, there are going to be people who are high risk more so than other people, which they are going to be essential workers, they are going to be people over the age of 65 with comorbidities, 
And there's going to be obviously um, messages from government to say whether or not the people are qualifying for their vaccinations and they should register on the EVDS, which is electronic portal to register for vaccinations. Um, together with the medical aids that are going to be administering them and the different sites that are going to be popping up throughout the country, hopefully this will promote and allow us to vaccinate multiple people per day. All right. So at this stage, you're trying not to be overly critical, um, and I think that's commendable. I can see that that you're trying to give I, it. I a think chance. I think I think we've got to give it a chance now. We've heard the we've heard what they're trying to do. We've heard that numbers are are looking good with regards to what they're able to procure. Let's give them a chance now and let's see what happens. All right. Let's take a look at some of the questions. We have a fair amount of questions today. And in fact, what I did notice today was that there are a tremendous amount of questions related to the work environment. So I'm going to leave those uh, and group all of those together and go through some of the other questions first. Terry says, hi, Howard. The CDC recently came out saying that the chance of catching COVID uh, from surfaces is minimal. Can you ask Dr. Marburg if he agrees whether we should still be sterilizing surfaces, parcels, and uh, that we are having delivered and bringing into our houses? So I've got to laugh at that question because it's, first of all, it's an excellent question, but I'm laughing because as we always say, we none of us are experts in this disease. We learn mm -hmm. new things every single day. We change our minds every single day. There's different schools of thoughts. And uh, six months ago, everyone was pedantic about cleaning the surfaces, cleaning items that came into the house, cleaning boxes, this type of thing. What's now been recommended by the CDC, and also we've got to remember why they're recommending this. This isn't a country where they're doing millions of vaccinations a day, but what they are recommending in the, in the United States is that you don't have to clean parcels or surfaces every single day unless you've had somebody who's been exposed to the virus in your sort of containment area within the last 24 hours. Otherwise, you don't have to drive yourself mad with regards to cleaning the surfaces. Whether that relates to our own situation in South Africa, I'm not 100% sure yet, and I don't want to be too overly sort of uh, um, proactive in saying don't clean your surfaces, don't do anything yet, because we still have got very low numbers of vaccinations, and we're nowhere near what we need to be, and we're nowhere near to what the Americans are doing. All right, so that could that could play a role, but at this stage, you don't need to be that pedantic. Is that really? I what don't think saying? so. I, I don't think you need to be mm -hmm. that pedantic. I do think though that you still need to obviously clean your hands and uh, use your sure. sanitizer that disinfects or use a, a soap that disinfects before you take the parcels and after you use the parcels. I don't think you have to clean the parcels or put the parcel in another room for twenty four hours. I don't think that's necessary. All right, fine. Jonathan says, currently, why are South Africans' COVID-19 cases so much better than Brazil's? We are both in the same hemisphere. So remember, first of all, we're dealing with different variants. The, the Brazilian variant is known as the P1 variant, and the South African variant is known as the B1351. I do believe that the mutation, the variant, has got a role to play in what's going on in Brazil. But here's where I have to say kudos to, to our government is that We've played our part. We've done things correctly with regards to treating this virus from regard to prophylaxis and to precautions and that type of thing. Whereas you look at Brazil, people aren't wearing masks. They aren't socially distancing. Their own president had a rally the other day where he wasn't wearing a mask in front of thousands of people. So they aren't playing by the rules. And that plays a big part. The hospitals are overwhelmed. They don't have the infrastructure that we've got in our country. And yes, we actually do have a better infrastructure than other countries all over the world. So that's interesting to know. But they've got a completely different setup to what we've got. And I think that we leaps and bounds 
ahead of them and beyond them. And that's why we're doing so much better than they are. And I also really believe that South Africans in general are health aware. Maybe it's because of the high numbers of HIV, but South Africans are aware of the consequences of not managing health. So uh, it's a theory, but uh, I, I, I still think that there might be an answer in there somewhere. Mandy says, please, can you ask Dr. Myberg what he thinks of the below? And then she sends an article from Times of Israel that says, real world Israeli data shows South African variant is better at bypassing the vaccine have you have you come across this information so there, there was a recent study that showed that the Pfizer vaccine isn't as effective against as the variant as we thought it would be but still has got efficacy and still does help prevent severity with regards to hospitalization and and death so it's a new study it's just come out but I, I still think that the Israelis are going to change their minds hundreds of times with regards to whether or not they're going to let South Africans into the country. It's all going to be decided on what they think of the B1315 B1, variant, as well as other variants from all over the world. And they'll have to do far more studies on our variant to decide what they think. This is done in a small cohort of patients who receive both the Pfizer vaccines, but there definitely is still protection from the vaccination, but not as much as they would have wanted. Ian says, based on the number of vaccines administered globally, what percentage of individuals vaccinated have tested positive for COVID-19? And if there are vaccinated individuals testing positive, is this linked to any particular vaccine? Thanks for affording us the opportunity to post our questions. So it's very difficult to ascertain what the actual numbers are of people who've got the virus post-vaccination. The numbers aren't out worldwide. We do know that the numbers are definitely low. In fact, interestingly enough, I admitted a patient this week, a South African patient who had the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and did get COVID one month after having been vaccinated. So it's not an impossibility. It's very similar to the flu vaccine. The flu vaccine gives you 50 to 60% protection against the flu. It doesn't stop you from getting it. So it's not going to stop you from getting COVID-19, but it's going to stop you from getting, the, hopefully, the severe COVID-19. Obviously, there are different curveballs that can be thrown in. In other words, do you have immunity that develops after the vaccine? We don't know who's not going to have immunity. And those are things we're going to learn as we go along. But the majority of people are not getting reinfected. Small amounts are, and we've got to do further trials to see why these people are having breakthrough infections. All right. Uh, Clifford says, if one is sick with flu, for example, can you have the COVID vaccine or even the flu vaccine for that matter? And I do want to focus for a few minutes on the flu vaccine because they are available. Um, I had mine last week. I know that you feel very, very strongly about people having it. Let's just talk around that. So my feeling is that if you are feeling ill, if you've got flu-like symptoms, if you've got a fever or cough, don't have your vaccination at that point. Wait until you're feeling better because the issue is that if you are feeling ill and then you do get side effects after you have the vaccination, we're not able to ascertain are the side effects from the vaccine, are they from your flu, are they from any other reasons. So you've got to be in, in reasonable good shape to have your COVID-19 vaccination. That being said, yes, the flu vaccinations are out. The tetra, um, the quadrivalent strains are out, which protects you against two types of influenza A and two types of influenza B. And the recommended guidance is to wait two weeks between the vaccinations. So it's not a definitive thing. You don't have to wait exactly two weeks, but with guidance is rather wait two weeks after you've had your flu vaccine before you go and get your COVID-19 vaccination. 
what age should we be giving the flu vaccine from? So the age is generally over the age of six months. Uh, I've vaccinated my whole family, my children, my domestic workers, my father, my in-laws, anybody who, who can breathe at the moment is getting vaccinated by me personally. Uh, I do think it's very important. I do think that uh, we have to vaccinate as many people as possible with regards to the flu vaccine, especially now as we're going into winter. And we need to ascertain the differences between the flu and the COVID-19 that can really mask each other. All right. And Stephen wants to know, what is the possibilities of a third wave um, and being avoided by the vaccine program? Unfortunately, it's not going to happen. You know, as I, I'm, I'm putting myself on a block here, but the truth is it's really not going to happen. We don't have enough people vaccinated at this point in time to avoid a third wave. What's going to happen in third wave? No one can tell. Is it going to be more severe? Is it going to be less severe? Are the numbers going to be as high? We, we don't know yet. We've got to wait to see what happens throughout the country with regards to that. But unfortunately, a third wave is inevitable. It is going to happen. And that's why we've still got to wash our hands. We've still got to obey the social distancing. We've still got to just sanitize and make sure we follow the rules completely. Simone says her bestie in Cape Town is a statistician. And apparently that's her claim to fame, which is, which is cool. Anyway, they get extremely reliable data every day. And she's of the belief that South Africa is holding at around 50% herd immunity already. Could that be the case? Yeah, I actually don't believe that. I'm sorry to say. Um, the, there, was the the, <laughs> there was a study by the, the National Blood Services to show that a percentage, a large percentage of people who are giving blood have got antibodies. But when you look at the entire population, we are nowhere near where we need to be. We're looking at about 67% of the population need to be vaccinated or have the antibodies to have herd immunity. And we are nowhere near that. It's not possible for us to be near that. And we're going to unfortunately have the third wave due to the fact that we don't have the herd immunity. Herd immunity. Uh, before we get on to the work type of questions, can you just talk about this blood clot issue with regard to vaccines? How so concerned should we be? Yeah, I think we've got to put it into context. We're hearing a lot about blood clots from the AstraZeneca vaccine, and there's one or two cases from the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, and these are in younger people. But if we put the whole picture into context, the AstraZeneca vaccine has been shown to cause four cases out of a million people, which is 0.0004%. Birth control pills cause 50 to 1,200 cases per 1 million women, which is about 0.05 to 0.12%. Um, COVID-19 itself causes about 165,000 cases per million people with the disease, which is about 16.5%. So put it into context, understand what we're dealing with, Yes, there are risks to certain vaccinations, but know what the risks are, look out for them, and we'll try and prevent them. But understand that it's far more important to have a vaccination than not to be vaccinated. Right. So you're not saying go for your, your birth control medication? I don't think you should go for your birth control okay, medication. Fine. Okay, that's all I wanted to dangerous. know. We can move on. Yes, yes. Yep. For everybody. For yep. everybody. All right. Let's, uh, before, again, before we talk about work, let's just talk ivermectin. So, yes, this week, SARPRA came out that they've made wider access to ivermectin available. Um, just to point out that the Infectious Disease Society of South Africa, the treatment action campaign, 
the South African HIV Clinician Society, the Allergy Society of South Africa, and the South African Thoracic Society still express concern on sufficiency of evidence regarding the safety and the efficacy in treatment of patients with ivermectin. So that you've got to really make uh, understand, understood to people that we're still not promoting the use of ivermectin. I will still not advise anybody to use ivermectin in my close circle, my outer circle, anybody in my hospital, it's not advisable. Okay, so you are not, you still don't, even though we don't have the vaccine, even though we don't have a lot of alternatives, you are still saying that you aren't supportive of ivermectin for prophylaxis. Look, the point of the matter with the ivermectin is that a lot of 99% of the studies done with ivermectin are not done on solo drugs. In other words, mm, ivermectin by mm. itself, it's done with corticosteroids, it's done with anticoagulation, it's done with all other things. And I still don't believe it should be used as A, prophylaxis or B, treatment. Right. Let's talk work. Do you think that it's safe to go back into the office if I've been working remotely? So today is Sunday, the 11th of April, where the numbers are still relatively low and we haven't essentially gone into our third wave. Then, yes, you can go back into the office tomorrow. You've got to apply the rules. Obviously, as we said, you've got to make sure you social distance. You've got to wear your masks. You've got to sanitize. But in smaller numbers, in open offices with good ventilation, with windows open, it is safe to go back as long as you follow the rules. Remember, the, the important thing is to follow the rules and not make your own rules. Right. Well, that's good. Let lead, that leads me to the next question. If I'm sitting at my desk, do I need to wear a mask? If there's anyone around you within, let's say, about two to three meter vicinity, then you do still need to wear your mask. If you're in your own closed off office where there's no one in your office, you don't have to wear a mask. Okay, so let me just ask you, I'm sitting in an open plan office. There is somebody sitting three or four meters away. Do I and need to sit And there's and good, good ventilation. ventilation. Sure. And the windows are open, you know. You know, the then truth is that okay. I'm not I'm not 100% to say you should be okay. I'd say it's preferable probably to still wear a mask because you're not outside. You're still right. trapped inside. But just be careful. Just make sure, mm. you know, you can be busy with work and someone comes up close to you. You don't know that they're coming to you and you're not wearing a mask and yeah. they're not wearing a mask yes. and that's how trouble starts. Right. And in fact, what I found is you're busy working. There's no one around you in your own space. And then you get up just to run to the bathroom and you forget and you your mask. you don't realize you've got your mask. Yeah. Exactly. So safe, rather be safe than sorry. Okay. If I'm, uh, uh, what about eating my lunch? Well, the same rules would apply, I would imagine. Yeah, 100%. And also try to eat your lunch outside if you can. Right. If I've been in a meeting with somebody who is found to be COVID positive, do I need to quarantine? So once again, we, we will go back to the basics. Hmm. If you're wearing a mask or if you're not wearing a mask, if you're not wearing a mask, you definitely have to quarantine. If you're wearing a mask and the other person is wearing a mask and you're more than one and a half meters away from each other and you've got good ventilation, it's unlikely that you need to quarantine because you all are quite well protected. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. once there's been a break in the system in some way. So in other words, mask has been taken off or there's no windows open or there's no ventilation or you're on top of each other, more than a meter and a half distance between you has been uh, broken down, then you do have to quarantine. If if the person who is who later becomes ill um, is not wearing a mask, but I'm wearing a mask, do I still need to quarantine? I would say you should still quarantine because once again, there's been a breakdown in that sort of 
mm. filter mm. that you've got to protect yourself. Okay, so if the system, basically, the system is you both wear masks and you stay one and a half meters apart. If with anything, ventilation. With ventilation. If anything is a break in that pattern, and the if person If you break becomes, that circuit, then right. you have to basically, then you have to basically quarantine. And how, and, and the, the, something that we keep looking at are the, is the timing. The timing is critical here. So let's yeah. just say I have a meeting with somebody on a Tuesday. And one of us wasn't wearing masks. So, so now there's a breakdown. Two days later, they become symptomatic. Am I within the period? Am I not within that? How does that work? So generally it's within 72 hours of your exposure to them and depending when they became symptomatic. So in that case, you would be at risk because it's within the 72 hours. And depending on how sick they were or what they were feeling, it's probably preferable to quarantine and just watch for symptoms. Remember, we, we, as I said, we, we're going into a third wave. We need to be very careful now and very prudent about what we're doing and how we're doing it. Mm -hmm. All right. Taking a look at some of the other work-related questions. Uh, team building events. I would stay away from them at this point in time. You know, There's no need for a team building event now. Keep them on Zoom. As I said, once again, we're going into winter. We're going into a third wave. You're not looking for more trouble. You, know, you don't need to close offices down unnecessarily. We need to keep the economy going. We don't want another lockdown. We want to try and prevent it as much as possible. What about team lunches or coffees? People getting together maybe out. Team, team lunches aren't a good idea. It's very it's the same thing as a team building event. You know, if a few people want to get uh, together outdoors, socially distanced, as long as they keep their their distance apart from each other when they take their masks or to have their coffee and they're apart from each other outdoors, I don't see it as a problem. But keep the crowds as small as possible. Right. And and what what would you recommend in terms of a crowd? I would say if you're doing that, don't go for more than five people or so in a well-spaced mm, outdoor mm. area. Okay. If I uh, need to repair or have work done at my home, what are the protocols? A worker, Same protocols. A make sure the workmen wear their masks. Make sure that you've got a spray at the front of the door. They can sanitize and make sure all the windows are open and don't sit on top of them. Let them do their work. And when they go, uh, just make sure you sanitize again. If somebody wakes up with a cold, normally they would go into the office. It wouldn't be something that would be problematic. A child wakes up with a cold. Normally you'd send them off to school like that. It wouldn't really be much of a problem. Yeah, no I, I don't think normally is, 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 a, is a word we're going to use for a long time. So, okay. um, yeah, if someone does I guess wake that answers up with the a question. cold. If you wake yeah. up with a cold, don't go to work. If your child wakes yeah. up with a cold, don't send him or her to school. Would you, yeah. would you say that's right? 100%. You've got to at least watch them for symptoms. And also, and that's the whole importance of the flu vaccine, make sure they're vaccinated so we can ascertain what we're dealing with as well. Mm -hmm. All right. Is there good news? So there is good news. Mm -hmm. I think that we've heard from government that the vaccine rollout is happening. We're in line to start the second phase of vaccinations mid-May, there are combined 51 million jabs that have been ordered, of which 31 million are from Johnson & Johnson, 20 million are from Pfizer, and about 1.2 million are from the COVAX. Uh, the second part of the good news is that this time last year, we were all scrambling for the flu vaccines. Now they're readily available. Go get your flu vaccination. Now's the time. Get it done as soon as possible. And of course, uh, Liverpool had a great win last night, beating Aston Villa 2-1. Come on, you Reds, let's do it. Let's take it forward and let's get forward into the next round of the Champions League. 
And my, my quote is, if it's still on your mind, it's worth taking the risk. Have a safe week. Look after yourselves. Be well. Be strong. Just make sure you get your flu vaccinations. Make sure you sanitize. Make sure you wear your mask and you social distance. I really love that quote. Thank you, Dr. Anton Maherberger. Thank you, Synthesis. This is Howard Feldman with the Sunday Synthesis podcast. We'll see you next week. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel below and send us your questions so that we can get to them for you. Have a great day. Have a great week. And God bless.